This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Jerry Agar in for John Moore, and this is The Breakfast Wrap for the 4th of July, 2023. Heat warning in effect. It's a multi-day heat warning. Could go as far as Thursday. Temperatures could be in the high 20s to low 30s, but the Humidex is going to make it feel like the high 30s to low 40s. Areas near the lakes could be slightly cooler. You might want to be in the lake uh, in this circumstance. For today, specifically, a mix of sun and cloud and a 30% chance of showers late in the afternoon, a risk of thunderstorms and a high of 30. Tomorrow, sunny in the morning, early in the afternoon, a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers late in the afternoon, risk of a thunderstorm late in the afternoon and a high of 31 with a humidex tomorrow of 36. Here are the five things you need to know. Heat warning in effect, as we were just discussing. Violence mars the long weekend in Toronto. Long promised grocery rebate shows up in bank accounts tomorrow. A majority of Canadians want Ukraine to keep pushing Russia out. And Barrie was voted the safest city in Canada. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. This is More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Yeah, heat warning. Hot time in the old town tonight. Now, the and reason why we're playing this is because John's not here. Why? Does he hate that song? Oh, with a passion. Well, more than Seasons in the Sun? Uh, right up there. <laughs> they kind of go together, don't they? Seasons in the Sun and... We had joy, we yeah, had fun, well. we had seasons in the sun. Obviously, John's not here. Uh, Jerry Agar in for John Moore. He's feeling a little under the heat, um, is what I understand. So we don't know whether he's going to be back tomorrow or not, or how long you're stuck with me. But at least uh, today you are. Mark Tui's going to be in for me at 9 o'clock. A lot of furious phone calling going on yesterday uh, to get this all arranged. Okay, so when I fill in for John, and I started this a while ago just to indicate if you do listen to me from 9 to noon, you know I come out of the blocks at 9.05 pretty hot on some subject. And that even I don't want to do that at 5 o'clock in the morning, okay? So I started by, I'll I'll tell you a joke. So here goes today's joke. This is not necessarily a joke for the kids, but it's nine minutes after five in the morning. And it's summertime, so they're not in school anyway. It's summertime. Little so-and-so should be in bed. All right, here you go. So little Johnny comes running to his mother. He says, Mom, Mom, Mom. I, I said, what? I, I, I saw, that's, that's usually the mom. What? <laughs> She's busy. And he says, um, I saw Dad in the car with the, with the neighbor Lorraine. Uh-huh. And, and they went down by the woods. Yeah. And, and they got out of the car, and they got in the back seat. Yeah, and then and then they started helping each other take off their clothes, and that and the mom goes, "Stop right there, stop right there." I want you to tell the rest of this story at dinner time tonight, so I can watch your father and see how he reacts. Okay, okay, it's pretty hard because the kid wants to talk, but he toughs it out through the day, and they get to dinner, and they're having dinner, and the mom goes, "Johnny, did you have something to tell us?" And he says, 
Oh yeah, Daddy, I I, I saw you with uh, um, with the, the the neighbor lady, and you were down by the woods. And the father starts looking really uncomfortable, and she says, and and you got in the back seat. And, and, and then, and, and the mom goes, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. And you got in the back seat and you started helping take each other's clothes off. And the mom goes, yeah. And then what happened? And little Johnny says, well, then they did that thing you used to do with uncle Jack when dad was in the army. All right. <laughs> Why is it that all those jokes are like little Johnny, right? You know, little Johnny, there's little Johnny that. What I, that? What, okay, next time I'm doing one of those, what would you, little Nicky? Well, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm complaining. Just saying. So, little Johnny and his sister are yeah. sitting outside. You know, he's a piece of work, little Johnny. That's why. Okay, that's fine. Okay, does that answer your question? All right. Um, now to get to some of the serious stuff. You know what? Let's get the bad news. Going from the joke to this, let's get the bad news out of the way um, right now, early in the morning. Mike Walker has this report on a Canada Day weekend, unfortunately filled with a lot of violence. Witnesses describe hearing screams and cries for help after police say a man was stabbed in the neck in the Riverdale area. Someone said call 911 and I, I'm stabbed and I call 911. It happened just before 530 this evening in the area of Blake Street in Boolpe Avenue. This woman says the victim was sitting in the street being tended to by neighbors until paramedics arrived. I just saw them working on him. That's all I saw. I saw the paramedic looking at, working at on him. That's it. He's alive and he was talking. The victim was rushed to hospital with serious injuries, but police say he is expected to survive. The crime scene is large. Several areas near and in the housing complex are cordoned off while investigators canvass for evidence. It makes me feel really worried for my, my family and myself. There's definitely like some altercations every now and then, but nothing to this extent, at least not recently. No arrests have been made. This is the latest incident after a violent long weekend. Police continue to investigate a deadly shooting at an Etobicoke apartment building near Kipling Avenue in Albion Road around 10.30 Sunday night. Investigators have identified the victim as 20-year-old Basile Uwantu. They say he was found in a stairwell and pronounced dead at the scene. No arrests have been made. And police identified the homicide victim who was found dead on Canada Day as 19-year-old Fudel Mulvey. His body was discovered by officers. No arrests have been made and investigators are appealing for any with dash cam or security video from the Don Mills and Lawrence area around 10 p.m. on June 28th to come forward. I'm Jerry Yeager in for John Moore this morning. Um, we're not sure when he'll be back. He's just feeling a little under the weather. He's not that sick, is he, Joe? I don't think it's a... It's just... He was coughing a lot or something. A lot of coughing. I don't know. It could, it could have been maybe because he went golfing during the, you know, smog alert. Well, yes, it actually could be. Uh, but, you know, if you've got a golf date, you've got a golf date. <laughs> that's, that's how that goes. Hey, um, this could affect you a little bit coming in and out of the city. Spadina Avenue has a closure. Um, it's uh, King Street to Adelaide Street, as far as I recall, because coming in around 2.30 in the morning this morning, I ran into it. I had to turn on to King Street in order to get here, and then I had to make an illegal left turn off of King Street. I don't know what else I was supposed to do, except maybe, I guess, make a right turn somewhere, then a right turn, then a right turn, and, a, you know, 
circle around a block that way, but it was 2.30 in the morning, so I took a chance. And uh, the light turned green, and I turned left up uh, John Street. Um, so, But here's the deal. If you're coming in and you're off the Gardner and on to Spadina, and you're headed north, which you pretty much would be, uh, <laughs> you don't have to be, I guess, but you pretty much would be, um, you, no, you do have to be. You either come off Spadina and go straight ahead on and get onto Lakeshore or something, or you have to go north, right, Nick? Yeah, you can only make the left. You can't go you can... south, no matter which way you come from. Yeah, okay, well, that's well, it. Legally, you should be going north. Okay, legally, you're <laughs> going north, over top all of that cement that was dumped on the street at some point, uh, and then you get to King Street, you're going to be stopped. There are police vehicles and, uh, and everything there. Here's what we are told happened at 12.15 this morning. An adult male cyclist was struck, serious condition to, um, and taken to local trauma, and apparently this was a hit and run. They are looking for a white Cadillac that was traveling eastbound on Adelaide, struck the cyclist and took off and did not remain at the scene. So there's no doubt that's a tragedy. Why it's still closed now, I don't understand. I'll never understand why Toronto is so slow. There are jurisdictions all over North America where within like 90 minutes, things are open back up. Collect your evidence, take pictures, open up. And other than that, I wish for the best for this male cyclist, and I hope to catch the person who perpetrated the hit and run. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. John Moore off today, feeling a little under the weather, so uh, we're playing it day by day, I guess, as to when he comes back. Mark Tuohy is in for me at 9 o'clock. One of the things that happens semi-regularly on my show from 9 to noon is every once in a while at 9.30, every couple of weeks, we check in with the guy I call the TikTok traffic cop, Sean Shapiro, and he's on TikTok every day, at Traffic Services is the handle, at Traffic Services, and he answers traffic questions, and we thought that was so cool, we would tap into it once in a while, and it's a popular segment on my show. Now, Sean apparently gets up early and heard me talking about uh, the amount of time it takes to clear an accident scene here in Toronto and has called in. Good morning. Good morning. Long time to talk. You take exception to what I have to say or do you agree with me? Well, no, there, there's different scenarios. In a minor collision, it doesn't take that long. We have to deal with the scene. We can very often clear the vehicles off the road so we don't interfere with traffic and an investigation can take place after some basic measurements are done. If it's more serious, then we have to have photographers come in and not every officer is qualified uh, to be a collision scene photographer. I used to be one and I'd come in and take those those photos. But if it's even more serious, then we have to have a reconstruction unit come in. And that's a team of officers that measure everything electronically. Uh, some services use drones and, and different kind of 3D modeling devices. Uh, we use something called a total station. And they, they measure every impact point. They drag to look for, uh, you know, friction points on the road. And they have to be able to, to reproduce that electronically later for, a, for a, a report that could be 100 pages long. So, you know, a, a lot goes into uh, more serious collisions, and that's why there's these long delays, not to mention the fact that they have to make sure that uh, if there was anything, and it may not be specific to this collision, and I haven't read up on it yet, but, uh, you know, if there's a bridge involved, if there's structural damage, it takes even longer to have to get engineers out. So every collision is very unique. Okay. See, that would all sound sensible to me, Sean. If I didn't know that there are jurisdictions, Florida, for instance, which they actually have, I think, laws in place, that they have a limited time, something like 90 minutes, in order to clear an accident scene, or they better have an explanation. In other words, get your photos, get your evidence, get out of the way. That's how it's done in Florida. 
Uh, with Florida, they and that's usually minor collisions. Uh, again, no, it isn't. No, no, with. no. I don't think that's true, Sean. Well, you know, I'll have to look up what their story is, but I, I find it hard to believe that that they would say a let's say a fatal collision would just be something ninety minutes and get out of the road. If they do, they they either <laughs> they have a different process altogether. But but it's not something where we're just sitting on our hands. Here we're we're actually we're actually doing stuff, and it's uh, it's important work. The collision reconstruction unit is a uh, uh, is is on call all the time. Sometimes it's about getting people in to do it, but they're a, a very specially trained unit. Okay, like I said, this would all sound good. Like, I've talked about this a number of times, and, and on my show I've looked up um, the various locations and gone through their their policies and such, and it really, it takes forever in Toronto as compared with many other places. And so we've got people who are coming into the city today, and they're going to head, they're going to get off the Gardner, they're going to head up on Spadina, and they'll have only gone a couple of blocks, and all of a sudden, then, and this is not uh, the fault of the police, it's this is the fault of city council, then they turn on to King Street. You can't turn left off of King Street. You're not supposed to go more than one block. It's going to be a traffic nightmare. Well, we 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 have what is it? Anywhere in Toronto is an hour from Toronto. Uh, we we are constantly <laughs> dealing with, uh, with gridlock and and issues. And and part of that is because of road closures and uh, you know our, our one ways of construction. And, and part of it is also because. Uh, we have people that just don't follow the rules. That, that, that's sometimes pedestrians uh, that cause congestion because no one looks both ways when they cross the street. Uh, there's a lot of things that uh, that impact the, the drive for drivers, and, uh, and and vice versa, drivers impacted for other people. So it's just wonderful. Throw a lot of people in a small space and uh, watch to see what happens. Well, just after Agua's traffic report a few minutes ago, somebody wrote in by text and said, "Traffic reports for Toronto should just be it sucks everywhere. Stay home." <laughs> my my cousins were in town this weekend, and uh, uh, they were shocked to find out that it took them forty minutes to leave their hotel to come meet me and go to a buffet in, in Markham. Like they, 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 forty minutes to get out because of the Blue Jays. Yeah. Forty minutes to get to the highway, then another forty minutes to get to where we were meeting. Yeah, um, yeah well, we have a lot of things that are just not reasonable. Well, you're up awful early, and I appreciate you calling in. Um, when are you back on my show? That's a good question. Probably this Wednesday, but we haven't uh, ironed out the uh, the details. Okay, and I don't know if I'll be there or not. Uh, so, but anyway, somebody will be. And as long as you're there, it'll be good. Thanks, Sean Shapiro. Thanks for calling. Always a pleasure. Take care. Yeah, good to have you. That's Sean Shapiro, the TikTok traffic cop. All right, so this grocery rebate, they're calling it, um, it's basically just uh, money sent to you from the government to help you out with your grocery prices, only applies to low-income people. It goes in effect uh, today or tomorrow. The rebate will be issued automatically to about 11 million Canadians. You have to have a household income of $38,000 or less, or if you're an individual, you have to make $32,000 or less. Now, it's not a huge amount of money, but if you're earning um, that size and income in the Canadian economy, every dollar is going to make a difference. If you have no children, $234 maximum for a couple, with a child, $387, two children, $467, three children, $548, and if you are a single person with four children, trying to make it on less than $38,000 or $32,628. So, yes, that's going to make a difference because you're obviously barely scraping by uh, in that circumstance. If you are married or have a common-law partner, the highest it can get with four children is $628. So, the same. 
uh, doesn't take long to spend that at the grocery store, does it? So that's the that's the situation with that. I think for for a lot of Canadians, it won't apply, and you don't have to worry about applying for it. Uh, they will base this on your tax return. So if you haven't filed a tax return, you're not going to get the money. But if you did file a tax return and you meet the qualifications, the money's just going to show up in your bank account. Currently, we're at 20 degrees. It's starting to jump up. We're going to have a high somewhere near 30 today. There's a heat warning in effect. Okay, we'll uh, keep apprised of that throughout uh, the next few days on News Talk 1010. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. Jerry Agar in for John Moore this morning. He's a little under the weather and we'll play it day by day to see if he's back tomorrow. Meanwhile, Mark Tui is in for me from nine until noon today. It's 20 degrees. We're heading into a heat warning for the next few days, maybe through Thursday. We're looking at a high today of 30 with a humidex of 38. So I said a few moments ago, if you live near the border and you could pop across the border, say to Buffalo or someplace and buy beer, you might want to buy beer. Here's why. First of all, you would need to buy Bud Light for this thing to work out. If you're one of those people boycotting Bud Light, well, then we're done. I can't help you. But uh, if, if you're not and you just want cheap beer, here's the deal. Bud Light is in such trouble right now. And by the way, I saw a report saying they may never recover. They may never be the number one beer again as they were. They've lost a huge market share up in the area of 30% or maybe more. Um, how much it'll come back, I don't know. But their desperation is such that they are offering a $15 rebate on boxes of Bud Light. Okay, so you get a $15 rebate. How much is the beer in the first place? I looked it up this morning. In New York State, a 24-can box of Bud Light is $15.99. Now, you're going to pay tax on the $15.99, so that's another 8% or so in Buffalo. But that 8% tax and 99 cents, that's what you're going to pay. And you can get it on up to three boxes. In other words, they're desperate to move it. So if you, if you drink Bud Light, by the way, best joke on that whole thing, I'm not always a fan of Bill Maher, but lately I've liked him a little more than I used to. Um, and he had a pretty funny joke, I thought, on the whole Bud Light thing. He was talking about the protests going on. And he was talking about country music artists and Kid Rock, who was out there with a machine gun shooting cans of Bud Light. And there was some other country artist or whatever. And, and Bill Maher says, I thought the point of being rich and famous was that you didn't have to drink Bud Light. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I went on the weekend and saw the new Indiana Jones movie. And I'm going to relate that movie to the opening of the first movie. So on the first movie, spoiler alert here, but I think you've had enough time to watch it. It came out in the 80s, didn't it? Do you recall... Everybody was just so thrilled with that movie, and the opening of that movie was just amazing and classic. It, it opens with this guy, this character we don't know yet, Indiana Jones, in a, in a cave trying to steal an artifact. And in order to do it, he, he's figured out, hopefully, this bag of sand weighs the same as the artifact, which is on kind of a trip system. And he's going to take the artifact and put the bag of sand on there and hope that things don't go crazy. 
of course, they go crazy. And there's arrows shooting, and there's a big rock rolling down a rail, and, and the rock's going to hit him, and he's running, and he takes his whip, and he catches something with it, and he swings across a chasm, and he beats that rock, and he gets out. Whew! Wow, what an opening. Oh, wait a minute. Here come, here come the locals over the hill shooting arrows and blow darts or whatever at him, and he's running, and he's running, and he's running, and he's trying to get to his plane. And he gets to his plane, and he gets the plane down the river and up into the air and away from the reach of the arrows and the blowguns. What an opening. Oh, wait a minute. There's snakes on the plane. It's an incredible opening. And that's the new movie. Pretty much that. It's just, there's, it's short on story and two and a half hours of action. It's like the Indiana Jones version of Fast and Furious. <laughs> Snakes on a plane? No. Yeah, snakes on a plane. Get these money to Friday. Snakes <laughs> off this plane. They were way ahead of Samuel L. Jackson and snakes on the plane. Um, but listen, I, I'm I'm not upset. I went. I'm just saying there's not a lot of story there, so there's not much for me to give away. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's a story. It starts here and it ends there, and all of that kind of stuff. And if you like Indiana Jones and you like a lot of action in a movie, then it's your movie, I guess. And if not, then, you know, you weren't going to go in the first place. <laughs> Was that just as adventurous as you writing to the health ministers of Canada? Okay, so here's the deal. Um, I'm not going to give away entirely what I'm doing here yet, but uh, I'm working on what I think will be a really, really, really interesting story of the experience some people are having in this country. I was contacted by some people, and subsequently I've talked to people in Canada, the United States, and Europe as I'm putting this story together. And it involves me needing to get some feedback from the health ministers of this country. Um, sorry that that's all I'm going to tell you about it right now, but uh, I'm writing to the health ministers, and I was doing it yesterday yesterday. Okay. Um, I should have just taken the day off, but I didn't. And I was, you know what? The health, the representative of the health minister in Alberta wrote back and said, well, what's your deadline? You know, a lot of people are off today. And I said, I didn't expect you to respond today, uh, but good for you. Uh, but I, I'm only writing to nine provinces and the federal minister. Why is that? Because when I went on the website for the health minister of Quebec, they will not accept media inquiries in any language other than French. Is that even legal in this country? Or is Quebec still part of this country or just nominally? Well, Nick, you actually told me a little story, too, uh, of something that happened while you were working for the, um, for the Boston Red Sox. You a traitor. No, 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 no. It's part of my freelance uh, situation that I have. So I was able to work the Blue Jays series. I wish I didn't. I wish I was just at home. You, uh, you help the visiting broadcasters with their right. technical work. That's right. But, it, yeah. uh, but it's a Toronto firm that I work yes. for. Okay. okay. So uh, the uh, technical producer in Boston used to date a uh, French-Canadian. Now, we know this because on Canada Day, one of the announcers, Boston announcers, spoke a little bit of French, and they're having some fun with okay. this, again, off-air, yeah. and she says, I used to date a French-Canadian. And so he asked uh, asked her, did you wish him a happy Canada Day? And she did. Okay. And he wrote back and he said, we don't celebrate Canada Day here in Quebec. We just celebrate St. John Baptiste Day, and that's it. And then we said to her, collectively, thank God you dumped him. <laughs> Yeah, you dodged a bullet there, mon ami. Uh, that's, um, but I was just stunned. I, when, and and the, the funny thing is that they told me in English that they wouldn't accept immediate inquiry in English. 
I guess they, otherwise, how would I know? But I, I just didn't realize that they would take it that far. And I don't, uh, I don't speak read and write French well enough in any way to be able to send the inquiry. I suppose I could find somebody to um, translate for me. Actually, maybe John Moore could do that. I should send it to him. He's at home. <laughs> I should send it to him and say, translate this thing into French so I can send it to the Quebec health minister. Well, his voice might not be working all too well, but maybe his French. Well, that's uh, what I mean. That's what I mean. He's, he's having more like voice issues than anything else, I think. You know what, though? I don't want to do it. I don't even want to deal with Quebec. I don't care. I don't care. That Not could be a, part of your story. Well, it will be part of the story. And it can be a secondary story. Somebody writes in from Oakville today. Yeah, but they take the holiday. Yeah, that's it. Of course they do. They sure do. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. I'm Jerry Yegar in for John Moore this morning. He may be back tomorrow. We're not uh, exactly sure. Having a little problem with some coughing or something like that, which doesn't go over well on the radio for long periods of time. You know, you can only spend so much time turning a microphone off uh, and coughing and turning it back on and trying to get a couple of sentences out. It just doesn't work for anybody involved. So I hope he improves and is back tomorrow. Uh, Mark Tui will be in for me at nine o'clock. We have a heat warning in effect, possibly through 30, uh, Thursday, and it's going to be so hot that the Humidex plus the temperatures could make it feel like we're into maybe the upper 40s. I mean, it's it's going to it's going to feel Florida August. That's what uh, apparently it's going to feel like. Now, there's an article in the Toronto Star that asks the question, why is Toronto so reluctant to allow drinking in public parks? And there are some things in this article that, as I've been watching this story, I didn't realize. First of all, let me poll uh, Joe and Nick and see whether they know. Joe, how many parks are there in the city of Toronto, do you think? Uh, 1,500. Did you read the article? Uh, I glanced at it yesterday. Yeah, so you saw the figure. I guess there's no point in you guessing, Nick. <laughs> Joe uh, 1501. It. Did you know there were that many? Uh, no, he did not, and I did not. That's a lot of parks. 1,500 parks in the city. How many, with this pilot project of the ability to legally have uh, a drink or two in a park, as long as you don't cause anybody any trouble, made the list? Out of 1,500 parks, 20. Only 20. And it's actually worse than that, unless you're a person who thinks none of them should be allowed. That's a different debate. But out of these 20, two of the wards, Toronto Danforth Ward and Davenport, have eight of the 20 parks where the drinking is proposed. It's not spread across the city very well because Scarborough has just two parks included. More than half of the 25 wards didn't make the list at all, of course, with, uh, um, with numerous in some wards and only 20 of the parks, and none of the Etobicoke wards are included. If you're in Etobicoke, when this project goes into place, drinking in a park is not legal. But you would think if you're in Centennial Park in Etobicoke Center, that's one of the biggest parks in the city. Well, I'm pretty sure a lot of drinking goes on in, in 
<laughs> in Centennial Park anyway. Uh, there's a lot of people taking over a healthy chunk of the park to set up tables and put down blankets and bring games. And um, I moved recently, but I used to be uh, literally a block from Centennial Park. And I could walk into the park. I drove by it all the time, coming and going. And on uh, any, any summer, especially decent weathered uh, day, weekday or weekend, a lot of people in that park with families and really having a good time, which is cool to see. And then in the winter sometimes with kids sliding down little hills and things. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff that goes on in Centennial Park and other parks around the city. But they're, they're picking only 20. And I think the big problem is the headline is going to be pilot project drinking in parks now legal. And I think a tremendous number of people because having done this job a long time, I know how well people listen. A tremendous number of people are going to think, no matter what we say, that it's legal to drink in the park. And then in 1,480 parks across the city, what's going to happen? Bylaw officers and cops are going to show up and say, well, you, you can't drink in the park. No, no, they just, they got the, no, no, not this park. And uh, here's a text message that reads, so basically, you're not allowed to drink in the park. They're just lying to people. Well, you're allowed to drink in one out of every 75 parks. Isn't that how, isn't that, how that works? Yeah, I think so. So statistically, yeah, you still won't. Thank you. That's, that's well put. Statistically, you still won't be allowed. Somebody writes, who's going to clean up the beer can litter? Well, the same people who um, clean up the soft drink can litter and the hot dog wrappers and everything else that careless people leave around in parks. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, just some of what I learned from the Toronto Star regarding this pilot project. Meanwhile, a cool story from CTV News out of British Columbia this uh, British Columbia teenager, she's 16 years old, Esther Wang is her name. She walked uh, into a park called Golden Ears Provincial Park. This is nearby where Ashley Legasic is from, and she was telling us this morning that if you go into that park, you, uh, you, you are on your own. There's no communication. Your cell phone is not going to work, and you're going into actual wilderness. If you wanted to make a cell phone call, you were doing something in that park, you'll have to get out of the park before you will receive any kind of service, any electronic service. So um, what happened was Esther Wang, 16 years old, got separated from the group she was with. She was separated from her air cadet group that were planning to hike and camp in the area. So she was, I guess, last in the line, and they were walking down a path, and she was paying attention to the path because it's not like walking down the sidewalk. It's wilderness area, and there may be a path. This is how I understand the story. But it's rocks and roots and rubble, and, and it's uneven, and you gotta, you got to watch where you're walking. So she was watching where she was walking, and they, became, they came to a fork in the trail, a Y, and everybody went right and she went left. And pretty soon she realized she was on her own and she couldn't find her way back to the people she was supposed to be with. She was out there for more than 48 hours. And some of the time people started looking for her and she could hear them. She could hear a helicopter. She could hear dogs barking and she was yelling and they couldn't hear her. Helicopter was coming. She was shaking trees 
to try and have them notice, hey, what's going on with that tree? Maybe that you know, nothing happened. She eventually just kept plugging along and got herself out of the park. Fortunately, luckily, she said some of her cadet training really helped her. There's nothing in the story here about um, what she had to eat, maybe since they were going to be camping, so she may have some stuff in her backpack. But she was having a little trouble with uh, balance and, and just well-being by the time she emerged. She was retracing her steps. She stopped to fill her water bottles up on a small creek, so she did have water, which would be the first essential. You can go 48 hours without eating. Okay, I don't, but I mean, <laughs> you, don't, you, you, you can if you have to. You're not going to die from that. But I'll tell you what I was thinking as I read this story. I was watching a documentary recently on uh, legends and myths, etc. And one of the segments was talking about all the stories in all the cultures around the world that are very similar to the story of the big bad wolf or something like Hansel and Gretel, or the witch in the woods. The woods, so dangerous. Uh, the woods are so dangerous. Why do all of these stories all around the world, among all cultures, why are they similar? Because people were terrified of the woods. And they came up with stories like the Big Bad Wolf and Hansel and Gretel and the Witch in the Woods and all of that kind of stuff to scare the heck out of their children so they wouldn't wander into the woods, which are compelling. And interesting. But the point of it was that we have survived as a species and dominated as a species, not specifically because we're smarter than all the rest and we can build tools and we can do everything and all the technology and everything that we have, but that largely we survived because we're a group animal. We cannot survive in the woods on our own. Sure, the Unabomber did it, but he built a cabin and he had some way of sustaining himself. But generally speaking, People will only last a matter of days as a human being in the woods alone. We're just not good at it. So we banded together and we put up walls and we built houses and streets. And we showed the big bad wolf, didn't we? <laughs> we certainly did. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? <laughs> not me, because I don't go out where the wolf is. By the way, this is another little tangent, but this was another thing I saw over the weekend. People don't realize how big a wolf is. Would you compare, would you compare a wolf, Nick, to a husky? That's what most people do. Probably, yeah. Okay, and partly this article I was reading said, because that's who usually plays the wolves in the movies, <laughs> it's the, the huskies. They are considerably bigger. Google this. Look at a picture of a husky standing next to a gray wolf, and you will go, ooh, ooh, I didn't realize they were that big. So coming up on the show, we have, uh, of course, uh, the morning brief. And joining me for that, Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives, now with Aria. We'll talk about other things about the Ford government cutting the size of the new science center to be built at Ontario Place. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Jerry Yegar for John Moore. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.